Marquee matchup, Bucks and Rockets, but it gives us no more clarity on the MVP race. And big playoff implications for the rest of the night's game. We run it all down for you. And a busy night. Lots of notes to get to, including an update on Yusuf Nurkic, Drew Holiday surgeries. Tons to get to here. It's the Wednesday Locked on NBA podcast. Let's go. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back. It's hump day, and we're going to get you through it. It's the Locked On NBA Podcast. I want to welcome all of the new listeners. And you know, if you're not a regular listener of the Locked On NBA Podcast, we want to invite you to subscribe to the show. You can get the Locked On NBA Podcast on the brand-new podcast app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you can get your car to tell your smart device to play podcasts locked on NBA. You can do it every day. We hope you do it on Wednesdays when we are hosting the show. I am John Corrales. I'm the co-host of the Locked On NBA, Locked On Celtics podcast. And Locked On um, NBA. And Locked On NBA. <laughs> I'm a beat writer covering the Boston Celtics. You can follow me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter. It's at Nola Jake. So there is a ton in the association tonight, a ton. But the biggest headline is the Milwaukee Bucks and Houston Rockets. That was the marquee game. Milwaukee Bucks win 108-94. And this was supposed to be, Jake, the game that decided the MVP, the head-to-head matchup that said, finally, some clarity. We're going to have an MVP after this one. And apparently... The NBA's MVP is now Eric Bledsoe, who had a monster game, a huge third quarter, and was the reason why the Milwaukee Bucks came away with this game. Yeah, you know, thinking back on this, maybe it's it shouldn't have given us a decided <laughs> MVP here because both these teams were going to basically scheme to take out Giannis and take out Harden, and they did a pretty good job of this. If you want to get into the nuances of coaching and game plan, this was a re- really fun game to watch. Basically, the Bucks took the entirety of Harden's left side away from him, forcing him to go to the right, which he's not as comfortable with. And then they still employed their kind of drop-down scheme of let bad shooters take a ton of three-pointers in this one. This is why P.J. Tucker took eight, House took nine, Iman Shumpert took five. You had guys like that taking the threes instead of it being Gordon, who did take five, Chris Paul, who still took nine, and Harden, who still took nine. But those weren't the guys that, you know, were going to beat them in this game, and it worked. Yeah, it's it's a wild strategy. It almost unsettling to watch a defender. It, it looked like it almost looked like the defender was trying to keep James Harden from running to the sidelines. He was st- that when we say on his left side, like literally standing next to him on his left side, giving him a free lane to get to the basket, which he still and even so, he still took some of the step backs. He got fouled on one of them. Yeah. He he still tried to do some of the things that he did, but teams the I, I wonder if teams are going to follow this buck strategy now in the West because it's so over the top. It's such an over the top strategy. And it's really interesting that they did that because they, if they do think they're going to see the, the rockets in the finals, then that puts a little kind of nugget in, 
James Harden's head saying, huh, this is a wild way. They are not going to let him go left at all. At the same time, if you're a Western Conference team and right now the loss put the Rockets down uh, in a tie for the third seed, uh, not sure the tiebreaker, I, but right now I, they're down, I guess, in the fourth seed because of everything. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. It's percentages. Sorry about that. But if you're playing the Clippers in the first round, if it holds that way, then Doc Rivers is like, huh, I wonder what happens if I, if I attach, I don't know, Pat Beverly to his left side. Let's, let's kind of see what happens if we, we, we do that. It's a blueprint. It's a potential blueprint. Anytime something like that happens and it's a little weird, but it kind of is effective. There's like a blueprint for the other teams out there now. A little bit. You know, we've seen teams do this, maybe not to the extreme that Milwaukee did where like the, 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 whoever it was on his left side was almost behind him at times too to eliminate that step back. It was just so weird to see. And he still got some points. You know, he went out hard and finished with 23 on the night, but he did it on 26 shots. He was one of nine from deep because he just couldn't create some space and separation there. It's not like he had again, abysmal game from this, but Milwaukee's also really long and they recover a little bit better. I think defensively than a lot of other teams do. And there's some more switchability there than maybe some other teams have as well. So I wonder, and Milwaukee's been one of the best defensive teams all season long, that if this is actually a strategy that can be replaced regularly. We've seen teams try it, and he's still going out and kind of putting up the numbers that he's putting up. Yeah, it has to be something that you have the personnel to pull off. I mean, it's one thing to say we've got the, you know, we've got the blueprint. It's another, you've got to have the tools and you've got to have the, the, you know, the equipment. You have to make sure you can still build what the blueprint is telling you to build. And the, yes, the Bucks have a, a tremendous defensive team. Can they, and they can throw like a Bledsoe, who's a big, strong, tough guard at, at Harden. Yep. They can throw, they can throw these big, strong, tough guys. Like the, I think if there, if there is a blueprint, it, beyond this is that if you've got that type of physicality, you throw that at Harden and you wear him down um, and deal with it. And he didn't even take a lot of free throws in this one, but even if he takes a bunch of free throws at the beginning of the game, you just throw all of that physicality at him and you wear him down and just let it, let it just kind of take its cumulative effect. So I, I, I still think that there's something for other teams to learn from exactly how the Bucks played, uh, played Harden. Uh, the other side of it is how Houston played Giannis, right? Yeah, no, I was just about to say, you know, when, when you said in the beginning of this, we were talking about Bledsoe being the winner for this team here and not Giannis because basically anytime he got the ball, they were double and triple teaming him and doing what they could to take him out of the game. 19 points on 15 shots for Giannis is not Great. I mean, again, it's not abysmal. It's not horrible here, but they're not going to win normally very many games like that, particularly when they're as banged up as they are, probably more so than any other team. And they still managed to get this victory, and Giannis did just kind of enough and at least contributed in the rebounding aspect of things. But it shows he can kind of be taken out of his his run of form here. Yeah, he had, they forced five turnovers out of him. Uh, that's unusual. He, they, he did rebound. Uh, he did get four assists, but again, the inefficiency on both sides from both of the star players. Uh, but it, it, it shows that 
the strategy, just like when Boston played Milwaukee, and if they do meet Milwaukee again, it's going to be don't let Giannis drive, sag, don't let him go dunk all over you. Force him to try to take some jumpers if you can and, and see if somebody else can beat you. And in a playoff series, okay, Eric Bledsoe, who dropped 16 points in a quarter there in the third quarter, he can get hot, but do you still trust that supporting cast to go out there in a seven game series? This is the question about the Bucks. Do you trust those guys? Do you trust Bledsoe to have this kind of game, uh, and, and carry the Bucks? Do you trust, uh, Pat Connaughton to come in and give you 14 on a regular basis? Do, do you trust that Brooke Lopez can keep himself in the game uh, against certain defenses? So they, defended Giannis the way you're supposed to defend him. Don't let him go nuts. Don't let him go north to south and get big transition dunks all over the place. Don't let him carry the team by getting down low and using his length to just dunk over you from angles that you didn't know that he could dunk through. So uh, if anything, this game kind of showed the supporting cast. Like, yeah. Big that's, time. That's, that's what was mostly on display here. And it really does give a, a little bit of a preview of playoff basketball with these two teams and the flaws. Like every, every one of these teams is flawed. Like there's, there's just aside from the Warriors playing at their absolute best, th- these teams all have their flaws. And for the Rockets, like you mentioned, it's, what happens if you get PJ Tucker eight three point shots? I mean, that's, that's a bad night. Uh, for the Bucks, it's what happens if, uh, you can't account for, uh, the loss of Brogdon and George Hill is out there shooting, you know, one of six. I mean, is, is that something that's going to get exploited? And can, can Eric Bledsoe really give you four of seven from three on a regular basis? So this, we came in thinking this was going to be, MVP versus MVP, and it turns out to be supporting cast versus supporting cast, and more of a interesting kind of look at what the playoffs are going to be versus who the most valuable player in the NBA is going to be, like this was some sort of tiebreaker. Yeah, I I will say this, though, about Milwaukee. I think the fact that they got this win and they're they're injured. Like, you you talked about the sporting cast. You you know, Nikola Mirotic is out right now for him, and he shined for the Pelicans last year in the playoffs against the Portland Trailblazers in that first-round sweep. So they have a lot of depth that – you know, can come out and shine. Chris Middleton shot six of 23 in this one, still managed 13 points. Not amazing, not good. Um, if he shoots a little bit more efficiently, he has a big night there. And you have these other guys that can kind of still go out and do this. And if they get fully healthy, which is a huge if, and it came out, I think today that Dante DiVincenzo is going to be out the remainder of the regular season and yep. the playoffs, that they're scary. Like, you know, they have flaws, certainly. But there's a lot of talent there around Giannis, and if you can get this kind of big enough of a victory over the Houston Rockets when he's having an off game, then you add Pau Gasol back into the mix, who's a bit of a shell of himself, but Miritich back into the mix. Man, they could be good. They could be. All right, let's, uh, we gotta move on here, cause we can keep going all night on that. We're gonna come back after the break. It's the too long, didn't watch portion of the night. 
with uh, a little rundown of all the rest of the action in the NBA. And then later on, we'll get into some coaching rumors at, with the Los Angeles Lakers. Chris Bosh had his number retired, uh, some health issues, some health updates, I should say. And then uh, other kind of notes to wrap up the night in the NBA. Remember, you can get this show every day, Monday through Friday. You can subscribe to the Lockdown NBA podcast and the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya and their personally curated playlists and new features every day. You can download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On NBA. Full night in the association. Lots of games on tap. Lots of playoff implications here. We've got it all for you in our segment. We call it Too Long Didn't Watch. And we're going to start with the Charlotte Hornets winning their fourth game in a row. They are on fire, keeping their playoff hopes alive, beating the San Antonio Spurs 125-116. to Monster night for Kemba Walker, who had 38 points, 11 assists, 9 rebounds on 14 of 31 shooting. Just huge, huge night for Kemba as Charlotte keeps their playoff hopes alive. Yeah, you know, he he hit that kind of game-time shot with like 40 seconds left before everyone kept missing, and then it went to overtime. And then, of course, somehow Devontae Graham is the hero. They're hitting all of his free throws to really ice that game. And we've seen pretty solid performances for the Spurs. This is a bad loss for him. DeMar DeRozan with 30 points. LaMarcus Aldridge with 20. Rudy Gay with 16 off the bench. Bellinelli, 17 off the bench. And they can't get a win when what's kind of has big seeding implications for the Spurs as they hit the stretch of the season here. Yeah, they're down to the eighth seed at, at this point right here, uh, fighting to stay away from the Golden State Warriors. And if they can, and it's tight as things wrap up here, that, that fight now becomes for the that sixth seed potentially because now you could face the Portland Trailblazers, and that's where I think everybody kind of wants to be right now after the Nurkic injury. Hate to say it. Because we don't want anybody to get injured, but because it did happen, now you're looking at your first round opponent and a shorthanded team is a team that you want to face. Uh, Dwayne Bacon, the second straight 20 point game, a career high in this game, uh, for the Charlotte Hornets with 24. And they got uh, a nice uh, game from, uh, Miles Bridges, who had 10 points, his fourth straight game with, uh, double digits. So some good performances from the, the Charlotte Hornets there uh, as they continue fighting for their playoff lives. Orlando Magic doing the same, beating the Miami Heat uh, 104-99 on Chris Bosh retirement night. I can't believe they ruined that. How dare they? Come on. Everyone loves Bosh, particularly now. And you go out and you just kind of drop this. This was big for the Magic, though. I think they switched places. They're in the playoffs now. The Miami Heat are on the outside looking in. And when you kind of look at this one or you watch this one, Magic didn't play particularly well what whatsoever. They just kind of got enough done, led by uh, Nikola Vucevic, 24 points on the night, 16 boards for him. He was great. DJ Augustin having kind of a career year-ish as well there for Orlando, 70 points, 17 assists for their starting point guard. 
Yeah, look, Orlando was in a tough spot back to back on the road. They had the emotions of the, the Bosch ceremony there, uh, but they still persevered. It really, this game was one in the third quarter where Jonathan Isaac went off, had 11 points in that third quarter. Uh, Miami, uh, they really just basically went cold down the stretch. Uh, Derek Jones got an and one to make it 93-91 with about three and a half minutes left. They go scoreless for essentially the next three minutes, and that's where the game was lost for them. So a tough one for Miami to blow, uh, but a uh, very important win for the Orlando Magic. Boston in Cleveland, that's my team, 116-106 winners. They were led by Marcus Smart with 21 points. Uh, this game was a, an important game for the Celtics to win because they had lost four straight games and they had not looked great. Uh, Al Horford basically in this one, they, the Celtics would continue to take like 10, 12 point leads and lose those leads. Cleveland would come storming back. Uh, the Cavaliers got it to a 92 all game. Al Horford checked back in and instantly changed the tenor of the game. He, along with Marcus Smart, carried the Celtics down the stretch. Jason Tatum had 21 points all in the first half. The Cavaliers did get a, a pretty good performance from Colin Sexton, uh, and they got uh, Jordan Clarkson chipped in with 18 points, but uh, too much Al Horford here and Marcus Smart down the stretch for the Celtics. Anything you want to add in this one? No, I mean, it was just nice to see some life from Colin Sexton, kind of forget that he exists there on this bad Cleveland Cavaliers team. 24 points from the rookies, pretty good. You know, you at least have to be happy that he's having some moments here and there. Okay, moving on. The Toronto Raptors beat the Chicago Bulls 112-103. to Uh Not really much to talk about in this one. Chicago, no Levine, no Dunn, no Otto Porter. They did manage to, to hang tough. It seems like the the Raptors kind of were sleepwalking through all of this. Norm Powell, twenty points, three rebounds, three assists to lead them. Uh, But this was this was as meaningless a game as you get. Toronto's better than the Bulls. It's kind of as simple as that. Bulls like to turn it over. Toronto converted on that, got some easy points, and just kind of cruised without nearly playing their best basketball. Not anywhere close. Okay, next game up on the schedule. Clippers, Minnesota, Clippers beating the Timberwolves 122 to 111 behind uh, a big night from Danilo Gallinari, who had 25 points, 10 rebounds uh, to lead the Clippers. Yeah, you know, another pretty good game from Towns here. 24 points, 13 boards. You had a bit of an Andrew Wiggins signing, even though his contract's been terrible and he has not played well this year. 22 points on the night, but he still cannot shoot well. 9 of 21 from the field, under 43%. They needed him to be so much better. He hasn't been. They're losing, which is probably just where they are right now. (laughs) I I mean, I don't know what you want me to say. The Clippers (laughs) clinch a playoff spot. With this win, uh, this game was kind of decided early with a uh, 42 to 23 first quarter by the Clippers in which Gallo scored 14, uh, Pat Beverly scored eight, uh, Shea Gillis Alexander had six. Uh, they put up a 25 point lead, although Minnesota did cut it to six in the fourth, but after they did that, Montrez Harrell scored 10 points to ice this game, salted away for the Clippers. Atlanta, 
over the Pelicans, 130-120. The Pelicans are your team, so go ahead and take that. Yeah, no Anthony Davis, no Drew Holiday. We'll touch on Drew Holiday in a little bit. It's probably going to equal a loss. Trey Young was great for the uh, Atlanta Hawks in this one. 33 points on the night, 12 assists for him. A Christian Woods sighting here in New Orleans, newest Pelican, came up with 23 points on the night on just nine shots. He was kind of a bright spot for the team here. Basically, one team doesn't care. One kind of does because they're young and they want to play well. And you know what? I'm cool with it at this point. Uh, okay. We'll just leave it at that. Moving on <laughs> as we, as we, uh, continue to roll through this segment, trying to stick to time here. Got to stick to that, that clock. The, uh, Denver Nuggets, 95, 92 winners over the Detroit Pistons. Speaking of first quarters, they put up a 27 to 9 first quarter. And th- this is really the tale of two halves. In the first half, they, it was 66, 39 Denver. In the second half, it was 53, 29 Detroit. And Detroit really went on a late run to take a uh, game that was about 20 points going into the fourth quarter to knock it all the way down to three, but they couldn't finish off the comeback. Blake Griffin with 29 points to lead the Pistons there. Yeah, the Nuggets just went ice cold in the second half. They shot 26.2% from the field. They were 3 of 14 from deep. That's going to get another team back in it. That's kind of what happened there. Uh, and just luckily they had built a big enough lead early on to kind of withstand that. But, man, they looked awful. Their third and fourth quarters were 15 points and 14 points, respectively. They couldn't even get a total of 30 points in the second half. Oh, that's just just to put it in, like for some perspective there if you want to visualize that just when you say it out loud i mean i'm looking at the numbers but when you say it out loud it just sounds so bad yep <laughs> and uh let's see two more here on the schedule sacramento 125 121 uh over dallas 125 121 kings sweep the Mavericks for the first time. It's weird to say the Kings are sweeping anybody, but the Kings move up to 500 and uh, they swept the Dallas Mavericks for the first time in 20 years, ruining a Luka Doncic triple double, 28 points, 12 rebounds, 12 assists for him. Yeah, they needed this one to keep their like slim chances of the playoffs alive. Now they're just five and a half games back of the Spurs in the eighth seed and got just enough. De'Aaron Fox, 23 points on the night. Buddy Heald going three of eight from deep, kind of giving them just enough offense to finish with 17. And Harrison Barnes, who ended up kind of being a sneaky good pickup for him, 18 points, three of five from deep. They're still going to be a fun team to watch the the remainder of this year and next year. But you can see they're not quite there yet if you almost drop this game to the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, the Mavericks actually led this game 110 to 102 with less than five minutes to go and gave up a 23 to 11 run by the Kings to to lose this. So the Kings, who suffered the worst collapse, actually now uh, a couple days later, turn around and steal one from the Dallas Mavericks. And the last game on the schedule, the TNT game, the who cares game between oh my God. the Los Angeles Lakers and the Washington Wizards. 124-106, Lakers win. Uh, KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Led the Lakers with 29, Bradley Beal put up 32, and I don't care about talking about this game at all. No, it was on players only, too. It's just like I couldn't handle it. Look, the no, only thing worth mentioning 
is Bradley Beal's very good, and he's he having a hell of a year, and he is eligible for that designated player max contract this offseason if he makes an all-NBA team, which I'd say is pretty good uh, chance of that happening, so he is going to get paid. There's an interesting race there, and it's been discussed on this Locked On NBA podcast by others on other days, that the all-NBA, that third team – Second guard is going to be the guy that gets eligible because like Beal is eligible. Kemba Walker is eligible. Uh, I forget who else is in that mix, but there are guys that stand to, to make a ton of money here. I'll be eligible for a ton of money. Uh, I, I was going to say that that's, team. that's probably the key because I don't know if Kemba's going back to Charlotte, who's the yeah. only team that can offer him that deal. So it may not matter there. But so no, still it's it's worth mentioning because that's an interesting race on something that's going to impact someone's future. Yeah, and, and I don't even know if Washington like what's Washington going to do? They're going to pay two guys that that contract. That, that's a lot of money to tie up in two guys. Whew. Um, we'll, we'll figure that out another time. Uh, but when we come back, we got we'll run through a bunch of other little nuggets because it was kind of a busy night news wise, but nothing that really stands out. So we'll run through about six or seven different things real quick that happened news wise in the NBA when we return on the Locked On NBA podcast. Jake and I like to go through and pick out a topic or two and, and, and expand on things, but it's not much to expand on. There's a lot to tell you about, but there's not much to expand on. So we're going to run through some of these things here and give you like little nuggets, like the Los Angeles coaching uh, rumors here. Tyron Lou and Jason Kidd are rumored, both rumored, to be in contention for the Los Angeles Lakers coaching job, which is still not available, but soon to be, apparently, once Luke Walton is fired. Do any, do either of these guys move the needle for you, I say, trying to keep a straight face? No, so this is so bizarre to me. I think it's it's come out, I think it was Stephen A. Smith on East Pan was like also saying the other day that Magic was talking to him, or people in the Lakers were talking to him saying, Jason Kidd is not a candidate, and we're like needing to get out ahead of this and like adamantly deny it, which good for you, Lakers. I tweeted out, whatever they think they should do, they should do the opposite of that. They've entered Phoenix Suns <laughs> territory, where just whatever you think, oh, this is a great move. No, you're going to do the exact opposite Opposite, and that's going to do the great move. Look, I, I'm not saying Walton's a good coach and, and that he should stay or not stay. There have been issues with his rotations and some other things there, too, that he is, like, directly responsible for. But everyone keeps saying, bringing a guy like Tyron Lue who will stand up to LeBron James. What? The hell does the hell does that fix? Like, on this roster, does that give them more shooting? No. Does that give them a plan for the future? No. What does standing up to LeBron James or bringing in someone that LeBron James respect fix? Zero, because the problem is the roster construction and the front office that has no vision or the ability to go out and stick to that vision and execute it. And a new head coach doesn't fix that. <laughs> I, I'm laughing. I'm still laughing at stand up to LeBron. He's not standing up to LeBron. No. <laughs> what are you talking about? 
are you talking about? He's LeBron's guy because he lets LeBron do whatever he wants. That's why LeBron wants him. That's why he's in contention. Nobody's talking about putting Ty Lue in any of these other coaching, like any, any potential opening. He's not being considered for anything. It's, he's, he's LeBron's guy. Of course, that's why, that's why he's being rumored in LA because he lets LeBron just kind of do whatever. The, it's amazing to see LeBron James completely take over a franchise, even a franchise with a proud history, a cornerstone franchise like the Los Angeles Lakers. You take LeBron James in and he takes over every aspect of the team. And he does it in a way where he can still deny that he does it, but it's so obvious that he does it. So it's wild to see. Uh, fascinating even. Uh, Chris Bosch's number was retired. That's nice. They uh, retired his number in Miami, and uh, th- I guess the question, this is the question everybody's asking, Chris Bosh, Hall of Famer, yes or no? Yeah, I'd say yes. You know, he's also like a largely influential figure in terms of player movement and that kind of thing. I think you might need to factor that in a little bit too. Like, I'm also in favor, just throw more people in the Hall of Fame. It makes everyone happy. Like, why not? So I like this. He was on some great teams, won a couple of titles there. Important players, very key. So yeah, throw him in. He's an 11-time All-Star. There you go. 11-time All-Star, a three-time champion, and people are really giving him credit. It's nice to see, actually, the one thing I've heard with Bosch is a lot of people are giving him credit for being at the front wave of the big men who shoot and stretch five revolution. Well, I remember from just the Celtics days back in the you know 2008, 9, 10 uh, battles that they've had, that when Bosch started hitting threes, I was like, wait, what is this? This is bad. He shouldn't be doing this. And uh, so good for him for getting the getting that recognition in Miami and eventually uh, a Hall of Fame nod. Yusuf Nurkic had surgery on his just disgustingly broken leg. Compound fractures, very much Paul George-esque in, in the uh, injury uh the surgery was a success. They expect a full recovery eventually whenever that happened. It took Paul George eight months to come back. They're not saying how long it's going to take him to come back, but uh, all hopes for the best, and, and hopefully he can come back uh, quicker than that and be in, in return to form because he was having a hell of a year, and it's a huge, huge loss for the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, they are offensively, I think it's something close to 10 points better per 100 possessions with him on the court than him not on the court. Mm. And it, that's significant. He took a real big leap forward, and there's a reason they're as high as they are in the playoff standings right now. And like without him kind of completing their big three, they're like, I don't know, a broke person's big three, I guess, compared to some of the other ones here. Like they have no chance, and it basically ends their season, and it sucks. True Holiday. Had, uh, had a surgery. Is that correct? Yeah, sports hernia abdominal strain. Basically, they've been holding him out the past couple of weeks saying, you know, they wanted to kind of see how it goes. You know, got a second opinion, realized it's just not going away anytime soon. Had the surgery done today. He's back to doing basketball-related things in six weeks, so no real big issue here. Pelicans are looking to tank. You know, may as well just take care of this before it potentially lingers into next season. Smart move all around. All right. The the Toronto Raptors are, are showing some confidence that they are going to re-sign Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Josh Lewenberg of TSN 
says, quote, behind the scenes, many Toronto Raptors officials believe or have become increasingly confident in the team's chances of re-signing Kawhi Leonard this summer. So confidence, who knows? It's a nice, positive thing. I think it would be great if he stayed in Toronto. And, and that would, that would be, I think, great from the sense that teams will be much more likely after this and after Paul George stayed in Oklahoma City, teams that might think they have no chance of signing a guy, getting him for one year, convincing him of the culture and building a good team around that guy, they feel good about convincing guys to stay. It might mean that some teams take swings for players that might not normally. And what I really like about that is certain teams that have historically, like the Knicks or the Lakers, who historically have just been like, you know what? We're just going to get whomever we want, and that's fine. We don't care. Like, they have to work hard. And the Knicks, who knows what's going to happen with the Knicks, but teams like the Raptors and teams like the Thunder, getting guys and convincing them to stick around. Super important, I think, for the league and for the construction of these front offices in in teams that, quite frankly, have had an arrogance about them, that they're going to have to start working hard and playing by the same rules as everybody else, too. So you, other than the obvious part of, cool, the biggest part of the story is uh, Kawhi might stay with Toronto. You, you hit it. And I've been talking about this on the Locked on Pelicans podcast when I look at teams that might get into the running to trade for Anthony Davis. And it's tough because these dark horse teams would kind of need to gut themselves, say you're the Denver Nuggets, to – Get this guy in with no guarantees that he's going to stay, and that's a huge risk. But if you get it where it happens with Paul George, where it happens with Kawhi Leonard in the future, and the Anthony Davis saga will likely be decided before Kawhi Leonard resigns or doesn't resign with the Toronto Raptors. But in the future, the next time we kind of run into one of these things, I think you'll see so many more teams get into the bidding, which just means it's more fun for all of us to talk about and easy content. It's not always easy <laughs> being a podcast host here, everybody. So I think... I think it's going to just get more teams, as you said, coming out, looking to make deals. You and I didn't even coordinate on this topic beforehand, which means I like the way you're thinking. All right. That's, I want to do like a podcast powers activate. Like, <laughs> uh, New York Times, Mark Stein reports that Chauncey Billups might be in consideration here to take over their front office in Minnesota. And that's going to be a very interesting scenario there because he's got no real front office um, experience. He's been considered around other places, but this would be a very interesting decision. Uh, he would join somebody like Elton Brand as a, a young, up-and-coming former player getting a crack at running a team. It's a very interesting development there in Minnesota. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do. You know, Leighton, their GM, was kind of brought in by Tibbs to kind of just uh, do, his, I don't know, his bidding, I guess. And that's been a disaster. You have to figure he's not going to survive and they're going to clean house, at least in the front office. Though it sounds like Saunders is going to end up staying the head coach. You know, I, I don't know. Usually you kind of go with the opposite of what you've had before. So maybe that is kind of the young up and coming guy. And as you said, there's success in Philly there too. I have no idea what they what direction they're going to go. And that's going to be pretty interesting because that could be a good position open in the future. Yeah. It's, it's going to be tough. Uh, I don't like Glenn Taylor. So I don't know 
as an owner, he's, he's just not great. And so that's going to be a tough position. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see how that, how that goes. And the final note quickly is Chris Humphreys has retired. Oh, Chris Humphreys. I'd forgotten about him, but he officially announced his retirement today in the athletic. Like, I, I didn't realize he was still active. So. I read the athletic and I didn't even see that, which is like how far off the radar it was going to be. I thought you were going to say it was going to be on like Instagram, which I guess a lot of people do. I know. It's got, everywhere. Like, maybe, what, maybe I saw, it. I don't know. It's, 72 likes on Instagram, maybe 73. <laughs> is that, is that how long he was married for? Yeah. <laughs> Days wise. Yeah. He, he addressed that. I can't. <laughs> yes. He addressed the whole Kim Kardashian thing and he says, it wasn't about that. He never wanted to be that guy and all that stuff, but yeah, whatever. Congratulations on your career. Chris Humphreys. <laughs> Happy trails. Like, it's I like your congratulations with a period instead of exclamation point. <laughs> congratulations on reminding me that you exist. So on that note, we want to thank everybody for listening to the show. As a reminder, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On NBA. As always, we are your Wednesday hosts. I am John Corrales, co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter. It's at Nola Jake. David Locke has the Thursday show tomorrow for you, so make sure you subscribe. Check it out. This is the Locked On NBA podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network.